Hello. Hello. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 10 of the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast. This week we will be covering Chapters 43 through 50 in Crescent City, House of Birth and Blood by Sarah J. Mass. So, really quick, let me recap. Last week we saw things begin to get steamy between Bryce and Hunt. Mm-hmm. And they also began to get some evidence that makes Sabine the prime suspect in summoning the Crystallis Demon and quite possibly the deaths of Danica and the Pack of Devils. And like, forget everything you know, it doesn't matter. Well, it does, but... It does, but it, 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 it you're wrong. Um, <laughs> you're wrong, I'm wrong, we're all wrong, okay? That's how I feel about this section. Kim's always like, Kelsey, tell me how you feel. How I feel is, man, we could all not be more wronger. True. <laughs> but it's not our fault. Okay, Kim has heard me rant. It is not our fault. We as the readers can only know what the characters want us to know, and they have been keeping some shit to themselves. Yep. So, yeah, no matter what you thought, you're wrong. Anyway, uh, folks, you know the drill. This podcast podcast is is not not for little ears. ears. So this is a decently sized section. Uh, Some of these chapters are like two pages, but still, it's a pretty Mm -hmm. good chapter. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Okay. So chapter 43, it literally opens that they are in Moonwood and they being Bryson Hunt. And they are going to go visit Sabine under the ruse of going to speak with the Prime, knowing that they'd get Sabine. At the gate, they're greeted by the pack that's doing gate duty, I guess. A guard duty at the gate. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really understand that. I was like, why is this a thing? But anyway, it's fine. Whatever. I guess this is world building. I, I don't know. So it's it's just a lot of a lot of things. And, and Bryce is psyching herself up to be here because she knows, I mean, this is, this is emotionally very hard for Bryce to be there. Um, it brings back so many memories of time spent with Danica, time spent with the pack of devils. So she's really, she's having a bit of an emotional struggle, which you know what? I totally get that. Okay. But if you're having an emotional struggle, you should probably dress for comfort. I agree. And she doesn't. No. Well, no, but you know what? Sometimes clothing is also a type of armor sure but i do not walk into some place that i think i may have to run for my life in heels i wear sneakers those days (laughs) i tend to agree (laughs) i'm sorry but i was like bitch don't understand to wear sneakers (laughs) i i I would be i would be if not in sneakers i would at least be in flats yeah for every logical reason known to man you can have comfortable, nice flats that you boots, can wear. And, okay, and like Buffy the Vampire Slayer wore exclusively boots. <laughs> I mean, whatever floats your boat, but, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. High heels are not going to be effective in this case. I just had to laugh because I had a, my sticky note when I was reading was like, am I an idiot? Is there a reason she had to dress like this? Like, am I, is there something I'm missing? <laughs> uh, the answer is no. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Anyway, she does acknowledge that it's the red or the black rose wolf pack is the one that is doing guard duty. I kind of want to read a little bit of this because I think it kind of sets some stuff up for Brace emotionally where she is in her headspace. 
She says her stomach roiled at the hilts peeking over their armored shoulders, but she pushed away the memory of a braid of silvery blonde hair streaked with purple and pink constantly snagging in the hilt of an ancient priceless blade. Though young, the pack of devils had been revered, the most talented wolves in generations, led by the most powerful alpha to grace Midgard's soil. So Bryce used to come and do all this stuff and she would do it with Danica and the pack of devils. And so she's, she's really struggling with being there without them there. The Black Rose Wolf Pack. Currently, it's just all kinds of evilly delighted to be seen, Bryce. The alpha of the pack is Amelie Ravenscroft. And she's so nice to Bryce. Not She's like, you know, Bryce says, hi, Amelie. And Amelie's like, what the fuck do you want? And of course, thank God Hunt is there because he's like, we're here to see the prime on behalf of the governor. Amelie's a total bitch because she's like, well, at least you picked interesting company, Quinlan. Danica would have approved. Hell, you might have even done them together. You used to do that, right? I heard about you guys and those two Daimonaki. Classic. Bryce smiles blandly and says it was three Daimonaki, actually. And Emily goes, stupid slut. So to say the least, there's there's a lot of love here between Emily and Bryce. Not. Sure. But like, rem- like, flag this in your brain just for like the next 10 minutes. Because I feel like this reads one way, and then given some information, you realize that I'm not even like a little bit surprised that this is how this conversation went. And I don't know why we thought it was going to go better. (laughs) I agree. Like, again, uh, weird way to get our information. Like I said, we can only know what the characters want us to know. And right now we are missing a big chunk of the pie. (laughs) Yeah, we are. If we think back to the very beginning, the night that everything went down with Danica and the Pack of Devils, we had already made comments about certain behaviors that had happened. Sure, but not to be like that Friends episode, but like, we don't know that they know that we know that they know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, we'll circle back to that in a minute, but yeah. Anyway, Bryce is like, because Amelie and, and Hunt are about to come to blows, quite literally. Yes. Yeah. Jumps in and she's like, look, you're a delight, Amelie. Radio your boss that we're here to see the prime. You know, she's got to take control. And she's, she is kind yeah. of doing things that irritate Amelie, which I don't blame her. Fuck, I'd be doing it too. Right, sure. Yeah, Amelie no, is a bit sure. of a bitch. And one of the other guys comes out from her pack and he's like, why don't you go fuck someone in a bathroom again, Quinlan? Okay. Okay, but even at this moment, even with that statement, my brain was like, what? Yeah. What? Again, missing a big key component here. I agree. Hunt comes to her defense yet again, and he says, there are six pups playing in sight of this gate. You really want to expose them to the kind of fight we'd have, Amelie? Which I give him credit for saying that because I think it kind of pulls things back. Just a little. Sure. I mean, I stand by my original statement, which is like the best two people in this entire book are Hunt and Rune, and I don't normally care for male characters. <laughs> I'm with you. And Hunt continues going, I'm not going to beat the shit out of you in front of the children, so either let us in or we'll come back with a warrant. 
I don't think Sabine Fendir would be particularly happy with option B. And, uh, and Amelie is staring him down. Everyone else is getting tense. And Bryce is going through some information here in her head. And she's like, that haughty arrogance had made Sabine tap her as Alpha the Black Rose Pack, even over Ethan Holstrom, now Amelie's second. But Sabine had wanted someone just like herself, regardless of Ethan's higher power ranking, and perhaps someone a little less Alpha, too. So she'd finally have them firmly under her claws, because we all know she never had control over Danica. Sure. And so she, Amelie finally radios, and she's like, guests are here for the prime, come get them. And Bryce is having some memories of, of being there, playing with these pups, you know, playing with pups in the past with, uh, with Danica, and she's just really trying to get it together, because she's, she's hurting. It's, it's really kind of bothering her. And then, just before their escort comes to get them, Amelie says, you know, sometimes I think I should thank you. They say if Danica hadn't been so distracted by messaging about your drunk bullshit, she might have anticipated the attack. And then I wouldn't be where I am, would I? And that, by far, is the shittest thing she could have said. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway... They start trading tit for tat yet again. Like, it's going to go down. And then you hear a Amelie, a male voice, growled from the shadows of the gate archway. Oh, gods. Bryce curled her fingers into fists to keep from shaking as she looked toward the young male wolf. But Ethan Holstrom's eyes darted between her and Amelie as he approached his alpha. It's not worth it. The unspoken words simmered in his eyes. Bryce isn't worth it. Amelie goes into the guardhouse, leaving her and Hunt before Ethan. Now, just as a refresher, Ethan is Connor's younger brother. Mm-hmm. And she and Ethan used to be good friends. Mm-hmm. So this is a very uncomfortable situation. Right. Sorry, yeah. else are going with this. So carry on. And then obviously we have thoughts. <laughs> Yeah. So Bryce acknowledges him and says, Ethan. And Connor, I mean, Ethan. Ethan literally does nothing. He just turns away from her, walks towards the pillars, you know, going towards the door. And Bryce is thinking in her head she shouldn't have let Hunt come. She should have made him stay on a roof somewhere so he couldn't witness the spectacular meltdown that she was three seconds away from having. And she she's looking at Ethan and and it's taking her back a little bit to, to Connor. And, you know, she's like, he'd been a cocky 20 year old when Connor died, a history major like Danica and the star of CCU's Sunball team rumored to be going pro as soon as his brother gave the nod. He could have gone pro right after high school, but Connor who had raised Ethan since their parents had died, had insisted that a degree came first sports second. Ethan, who had idolized Connor, had always folded on it, despite Bronson's pleas with Connor to let the kid go pro. Connor's shadow, they had teased Ethan. And it brings her back to the last conversation she actually had with Connor, where he says, I'm crazy about you. I don't want anyone else. I haven't for a long while. And she's starting to have a bit of a panic attack because of this, because she really, she realizes how much this is just hard, because what we do find out is this is the first time she's seen Ethan since um, Danica and the pack of devils were killed. Well, 
Right. But that's mostly by her own doing. <laughs> like, that's my problem with this. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, this, mm, I don't know, this whole thing rubs me the wrong way. Well, yeah, because this is what we find out. A honed predator now stood in his place, who had surely not forgotten the leaked messages she'd sent and received that horrible night. That she'd been fucking some random in the club bathroom while Connor, Connor who had just spilled his heart to her, was slaughtered. So now I think we know why people don't like Bryce in the Wolfpack area, because, well... Right. So, like, at this point, I made my little note that was like, I could never quite place why all the wolves took the situation out on Bryce, but, like, I kind of forgot, like... Because when you realize that she was out, like you, like the way you read it in your head is like Connor tells her he likes her. She's like, eh, like we'll discuss this tomorrow. She's at the club. You kind of forget that like Connor is more or less waiting on her. And then when she gets home, this all like happens, right? Like mm-hmm. you kind of get so caught up in the like traumatic part of it that you forget what was happening earlier in the evening. Because if you're reading for what you think are like the major plot points, because as Kim and I discussed offline recently, I think we have to remember that most of us are not reading to like write a book report. (laughs) We're not even reading to do a podcast. Most people are reading like three chapters here and there between their kids' soccer games and work and grocery shopping and taking their car in and yada, yada, yada. So like your brain is only going to remember the big important plot points. So like I had forgotten until I read this, like what she had been doing that night. And like, we did know that we did know she fucked Randall. And I remember us even commenting at the time, like how fucking weird that was. What a bad choice it was under the circumstances. Like we were saying, like, how can she literally be te- like, like, do what you want. You want to sleep with 36 guys like this week? Go for it. I have no problem with that. But then don't tell Connor like, oh, yeah, like you know, hair twirly twirly. We'll talk tomorrow. Like, shut up. <laughs> That's so annoying. So this already rubs me the wrong way because I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. This was when Bryce was making poor decisions. So, yeah, of course, this went poorly when those messages got leaked. But- I know. It honestly just gets fucking worse. It does. And I'm like, this part, like, you can't control what Bryce did that night. Bryce didn't know they were going to die if they hadn't fucking died. This wouldn't have mattered. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, like, I can't really blame Bryce for this. I can still think she made some shitty fucking choices, but I can't really blame her for this. But what she does next, I can fucking blame her for, and I do. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, but I do. (laughs) Understood. Um... She's reminiscing about her friendship with Ethan prior to everything. And, you know, it just, it, it, I want to kind of explain this a little, because I think, I think we do need to understand, because there's, it comes back much later in the story. And I, I will say that. And it comes back in a way that really gets at you emotionally um, with, what's going on at that time and she says she hadn't seen him since the days right before the murders her last photo of him was the one danica had taken at his game playing in the background the one she tortured herself with last night for hours while bracing herself for what the dawn would bring before that though there had been hundreds of photos of the two of them together 
They still sat on her phone like a basket full of snakes, waiting to bite if she so much as opened the lid. Ethan's cruel smile didn't waver as he shut the door behind them. The Prime's taking a nap. Sabine will meet with you. <laughs> Great. And of course, <laughs> and the crazy part is, is that this is what Bryce and Hunt had planned for because they wanted to speak with Sabine. I know. So like, that's the thing. When you read it, you're like, well, that's dumb. Okay. But then Kim, and we will get to this in a minute because they will in fact speak with Sabine. I just don't, I don't feel like I understand what they thought they were going to get out of this. <laughs> I agree. I, don't, I decide like we will carry on with this chapter and everybody else can like email us or message us their thoughts but at the end of this chapter i decide that hunt and bryce are the worst fucking cops i have ever met <laughs> like you cannot go into an interrogation with no goals okay fair <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> you don't wear heels somewhere you might have to run for your life but you also don't go into an interrogation with no questions prepared okay <laughs> That's the part I don't get because, you know, Hunt should have known. That's what I'm... Uh, yes, Kim. That's my problem with this whole section that we're covering today. I just feel like Hunt has lost his fucking mind and, like, forgot what his fucking job is. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so we get an invisible snowflake. Yes. For no for, known reason. For no known reason, other than I think it's a scene change. Yeah, I think... Well, I think it's just supposed to be, like, her brain space, though. Like... And they walked like 10 feet down the hall. Like, it's not like a new building. <laughs> I know. So Ethan doesn't leave them. He gets them to Sabine's right. office. And she knows she knows where Sabine's office is. Because remember, she used to come with Danica all the time. And so she had, you know, follow, she's following Ethan, knowing where they're going. Sure. Ethan is going up there, he's taking his time, as if he could scent Bryce's misery and wanted to make her endure it for every possible second. She supposed she deserved it, knew she deserved it. She tried to block out the memory that flashed. The 21 ignored calls from Ethan all in the first few days following the murder. The half dozen audio mails. The first had been sobbing, panicked, left in the hours afterward. Is it true, Bryce? Are they dead? And then the messages had shifted to worry. Where are you? Are you okay? I called the major hospitals and you're not listed, but no one is talking. Please call me. And then by the end, that last audio mail from Ethan, nothing but razor sharp coldness. The Legion inspector showed me all of the messages. Connor practically told you that he loved you and you finally agreed to go out with him. And then you fucked some stranger in the Raven bathroom. While he was dying? Are you kidding me with this shit? Don't come to the sailing tomorrow. You're not welcome there. She'd never written back. Never sought him out. Hadn't been able to endure the thought of facing him. Seeing the grief and pain in his face. Loyalty was the most prized of all wolf traits. In their eyes, she and Connor had been inevitable. Nearly mated. Just a question of time. Her hookups before hadn't mattered, and neither had his because nothing had been declared yet. Until he asked her out at last, and she had said yes, had started down that road. To the wolves, she was Connor's and he was hers. Message me when you're home safe. So, yeah. 
I mean, Ethan's pissed off at her, one, she cheated on his brother, but two, she totally blew him off and ignored him after everything. Right. And and if you think about it, she kind of did it twice because she blew him off immediately after the attack, did not message back, did not confirm that she was okay, did not, like, let him cry his feelings out to her, right? So, like, that already sucks. And then after he's like, you asshole, like, fuck you, she also does not try to, like, it's, like, she also does nothing, right? She doesn't apologize. She doesn't acknowledge. She doesn't do anything. And, like, fine. Again, if you want to look at it as, you know, in theory, none of this would have mattered if, you know, they hadn't died on that specific night, yada, 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 fine, like, whatever. I still sort of have a bone to pick with that thought process because she did tell Connor, like, they would go out. So that was stupid of her. But, like, fine, whatever. If we pretend that doesn't really matter because maybe they wouldn't have died that day, great. It's still a fucked up way to react to your, like, friend's brother trying to reach out to a lifeline because his brother is dead. Well, right? it's not even her friends, but, I mean, they were friends. Well, right. They were she friends even anyway. They were friends. And so for him right. to do that, you know, I, I don't understand why she couldn't, because I have a funny feeling if she had actually spoken to Ethan and told him. Right. Right. As like angry as he would be, him, she would be in a very different place with their relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also, I think the reason this bothers me is this falls into, like, going back to Akatar, it kind of falls into the whole thought process behind disliking Tamlin, which right. is, I can understand at the end of Akatar, that Tamlin and Feyre both have trauma and they are handling their trauma differently. And the part of their problem is that they are handling their trauma differently and probably need different kinds of help and they're not seeing eye to eye. And so like, it's not necessarily like Tamlin evil, right? It's just Tamlin not, you know, uh, processing what? his emotions well, right? But we all write him off and go, no, fuck that, because just because you are you have trauma doesn't mean you should t- treat Feyre like shit, right? Okay, right. Bryce, doesn't mean you should have treated Ethan like shit. I agree. So, like, it's just, uh, uh, I don't know. I find this whole thing very annoying because I feel like it's a weird time for us to find out this information. I do not like the writing style of finding out this information basically at the same time that it's happening because Bryce already knows this is why they don't fucking like her. Right. It's annoying to me as a reader to be like, hey, for the last 250 pages, I've had no idea why the wolves don't like you. I feel so sorry for you. Only to be like, wait a minute, they have good reason not to like you and you knew why all along. Me as the reader was the only one on the fucking outside. Exactly. Like the fucking weird way to deliver the information, first of all. (laughs) Well, it's it's not even that. I mean, it's truly, I really think, and I I firmly believe this, if she had reached out to Ethan after everything, instead of ignoring him, if she had reached out and responded, I, one, I think the relationship she and Ethan had would have been very different. Sure. And two, I honestly think Ethan would have had her back. Right. Like eventually, like it would have been one of those things where they had to like rebuild their relationship over time or whatever, but like that would have been like valuable information and also like some serious like character growth. My problem is this, Kim, we are like 400 pages in and supposedly like two years later. Right. And I feel like the amount of character growth here has been so fucking minimal. (laughs) 
And I am just really like losing my hope here. (laughs) I get it. It just, it's like every time, like, I guess my thing is, is like, I can sort of see why this was a weird book for a lot of people, especially if this was like your first time coming to Sarah J. Mass. Like, what? (laughs) Like, if you come into this book and have like no background or you're like not really like ready for the long haul, you know, because you have read other like normal fucking book series, you're like, why am I over halfway through this book and still want to slap the main character? Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I just find that to be a really odd <laughs> writing style. <laughs> like it feels like an odd choice because every time Bryce does something that makes you go, oh, oh, okay, maybe I see eye to eye to her, like with her now. I only think that based on the information I have, but then I find out stuff like this and I'm like, wait a minute, bitch, what? Right. Like, I feel like I should be finding out more things as I'm reading that make me understand her more, not understand her less. <laughs> I agree. I really agree. I don't, I, don't. I don't understand. I don't understand why she ignored Ethan. I mean, is it guilt? Is it just trauma in general? But I mean, truly, she would have had a partner in dealing with that trauma if she had if she had responded to Ethan and well and I think that's what I think is so weird about her characterization and I know that I'm going off on like a tangent but I haven't done that in a little while so (laughs) I haven't gone on a character tangent for a couple episodes and we were due (laughs) my problem is I feel like I'm understanding her less as we go along and also that I'm not understanding like her brain space or like the pacing of her character and her trauma because if you look like if you look at who she was before the incident she Mm -hmm. had a bunch of friends right yep and then after she has like nobody and i understand that there is a subset of people who like when you shut like you shut down because something traumatic happens and people mm-hmm. are only willing to like hang about you so long, right? Like before you like come back to life again, right? So like you lose some of your friends or whatever. I do sort of understand that that's like a thing that happens to some people when they go through a traumatic event. However, I feel like it's weird that we're basing her entire character like off at this point of the idea that she is like so traumatized and she has nobody who understands and nobody to talk to except for the fact that there's like an entire fucking pack of people who literally went through the same thing but the only one she was friends with was ethan the rest of them right, never liked her anyway no but my point is well that's not really true well yeah i guess most of the ones that liked her are dead but, anyway, <laughs> but the rest my of the ones that really is, liked her yeah they died with danica yeah, but i'm just saying like but like for example like juniper she threw i swear to god she pushed juniper as far as she possibly could go and they're still friends but like and we learned some stuff later that like Thank God for Juniper, right? Because mm-hmm. she's the only one in this whole situation with any fucking sense. And so I just, I don't really understand how we're going to base an entire character who supposedly was like a party girl with lots of friends who like knew how to like wheel and deal and like talk to people and yada yada. Suddenly like can't fucking function for shit ever. I know. And that's the part that like my brain is just having like, such a hard time to understand. Like, like I'm having such a hard time with Bryce because I am not understanding like 
where we're going to go from here. <laughs> no, I understand. I mean, Bry- Bryce in and of herself. I mean, she says Bryce wasn't a wolf. She didn't play by the rules of courtship. And she'd been stupid and scared of what agreeing to that date had meant. Danica certainly didn't care one way or another if Bryce had some meaningless hookup. But Bryce hadn't ever worked up the nerve to explain to Ethan after she'd seen and heard his messages. So, I mean, all right, I get it, Bryce. But at the same time, she's she's a bit of a coward at that point. And well, right. And I think that's my problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that typically your main character, and maybe that's the thing, is like maybe I should just be glad that we're seeing a main character who's different and probably somebody really identifies with this. I am just not that person. Like... I just cannot identify with somebody who like basically admits that they knew they were fucking wrong in the moment when they were doing it, then knew they were wrong after, and then still knew for like two straight years that they were wrong and what steps they should take and then just chose not to. No, I agree. It's very strange. Like, usually your main character is like, socially awkward so like they didn't realize that like oh it didn't occur to me that i was supposed to like talk about my feelings or something or they didn't have any friends to begin with so what the fuck you know what i mean like the nestas of the world never fucking had any friends to begin with so like they don't care you know what i mean like the favors of the world live under a rock so they have no idea like you know what i mean like usually you're dealing with like there's a kind of logical reason why this character didn't do the thing, right? Right. But there doesn't seem to be any logical reason, given what we know about Bryce, why she didn't fucking do the thing. Because she's not generally scared of shit. She's pretty confrontational. She doesn't give a fuck what people think. And she did have friends, did know how to talk to people. So, what? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I, I have no explanation. None. I really don't. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, that's just my rant on not understanding the like overarching like characterization going on here. Like maybe one day it'll make sense to me or maybe it won't. That's fine too. <laughs> but I just think it's fascinating. It, it's very interesting. They get to Sabine's office and Sabine's like, you have some nerve. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, of course. Hunt does step up to the plate and he's like, we wanted to meet with the prime and Sabine's like about, and Hunt tells her, well, it's about your daughter's murder. And Sabine gets angry and she's like, stay the fuck out of our business. Bryce, on the other hand, can't function. She has just shut down. Like Hunt shut down with Sandriel. Bryce is there and probably in a worse place than Hunt ever was. And she's like, you know what? I can do this for Danica. And then Sabine's looking at her and she's like, where the hell is my sword? And of course, Bryce is like, not saying a word. We don't know where the sword is. We don't at this point. But she does look at her and she finally says, we have intel that suggests Danica was stationed at Luna's temple the night the horn was stolen. We need the prime to confirm. And Sabine's like, what the fuck does this have to do with her death? And Hunt is like, we're putting together a picture of Danica's movements before the Crystallos demon killed her. Who she might have met, what she might have seen or done. It's another bit of bait. They're trying to get a reaction out of Sabine. And Sabine, if 
finally hissed, and she goes, Danica wasn't at the temple that night. She had nothing to do with the horn being stolen. And then she's like, who told you that Danica was at the temple? And I think it's interesting because she does it, and I'm, it's a total Tamlin moment because it says, claws slid from Sabine's knuckles, biting <laughs> in her desk. And I was like, oh, Tamlin's back. Okay. Yeah, right, right. <clears throat> and Bryce is, Yeah. <laughs> And Bryce, instead of trying to be more certain about this, gets tied up because she's like, you know, I, I thought I might have heard, remembered her mentioning. And Sabine was like, you thought. It's hard to remember, isn't it, when you were high, drunk, and fucking strangers. <laughs> and Bryce is like, you're right. This is a mistake. And she literally turns and she just walks out. She's done. And Hunt starts chasing after her. And Ethan stood between them on the top of the steps, eyes hard as stones, and he says, tell me what this is about. And Hunt is like, it's classified. And Ethan starts snarling, and Bryce is finally like, it's starting again. We're trying to figure out why and who's behind it. Three murders so far, the same way. Be careful. We're in your pack to be careful. And Ethan's just like, very brutally cold about it, but he's like, I'll let you know if I hear anything. And Hunt is like, do you need our numbers? And Ethan's like, I have hers. And then he's finally like, are you going to bother to reply this time? So he's definitely hurt that she didn't acknowledge him one way or the other. And okay, right? do not blame him at all. <laughs> I was like, wow, he's already been way nicer than he had to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I guess that's my point. And that was why I feel like this chapter is so weird because like, what's her face? The stupid bitchy one when they first showed up, right? What the hell is her name? Amelie. Thank you. Like, you're like, wow, what a fucking bitch, right? <laughs> you like learn all of this and you're like, well, I mean, yeah, but also like, and <laughs> you're like wow i hate that bitch and then you're like oh i apologize i was making that assumption based off of clearly only like a third of the possible information well as she's leaving the prime of the wolves is actually in the the reception hall and he sees her and he offers her a sad kind smile I think, and one thing I like about this character, because you don't really hear a whole lot from him, and I'll say sure. this through the whole book, like, we really don't. Like, we never do. Gotcha. But I think he knows more than he's letting on. And I think that he, because of it, it gives him, he understands, I think, a little bit more about Bryce and what Bryce is going through than everybody else. And I, I have to respect that. Well, but, I so allowed like he's in a position to be a little more forgiving yeah and like not even just forgiving but like no skin off my nose like you weren't in the friend group essentially you know what I mean it's kind of like I, I, I hate to say it this way but it's kind of like drama in a friend group particularly in like high school or college right like mm -hmm. a good example is like in college I like my college boyfriend broke up with me and somehow I lost all of my friends, which didn't make any sense because I didn't do nothing. Right. Like it's right. just drama. There's just drama. Right. So like some of it is just everybody like blowing everything out of proportion, but like that was a finite thing happening in a finite, like 
this was specifically a group of people who lived on like one floor who were all in the same like three graduation years studying the same like two fucking things right it wasn't Mm -hmm. everybody on campus like you know what i mean so like i think the difference is is like what we're looking at is the people who are like actively hating her are the ones who are like the fringes of these friend groups you know what i mean Mm -hmm. no I I, i sort of understand why like I could sort of like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not like I'm excusing Emily for being a total bitch, but at the same time, I can't act shocked. That's exactly how I would expect somebody in her position to react. No, I know. I also, but I, I mean, I will say that. Kind of a step apart. You know what I mean? Like, they got their own shit going on. So they're able to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get into the drama. <laughs> no, I know. I, but the thing, here's the thing. It's made very clear early on that no matter what Bryce did, Sabine never liked Bryce. Well, sure. Like, sure. never. Sure. And so that does affect other people's impressions, too. Right. Except for, because this so, section is fucking wild, y'all, we're about to find out so many other fucking things we don't know that we don't know. That's right. She's almost out of the the complex and Ethan catches up to her with Hunt right behind him and he's like you never deserved him and she was like I know and truly that's such a powerful moment for her to be able to say that because she's at least acknowledging that and then Ethan is like look you made some dumb fucking choices Bryce but I never pegged you for stupid she wants you dead and it snaps Bryce, and she's like, likewise. And then she looks him up and down, and she's like, Connor would be ashamed of you for letting Amelie run rampant, for letting that a little piece of shit like that be your alpha. And Ethan's like, don't you ever say his name again. And she starts walking away, and as she's leaving, Amelie's like, you're trash, Quinlan. And that's the end of the chapter. Which, again, is weird choices to me because I feel like there was a split moment where this could have, like, been mostly resolved. Mm-hmm. But she literally, like, this is one of those things where it's like, nah, she woke up and chose violence. And I'm like, okay, fine. But then you, like, I just, ah, oh, I don't know. I have a problem with people who, like, go out of their way to, like, be, like, a badass bitch and say whatever they want and then act shocked when people don't like them like yeah. no your whole person like your whole persona was that you don't care if people like you so actually you do care if people like you which means you're not even being authentic which is going to make more people not fucking like you like i don't understand anyway i just feel yeah. like feel like there was a moment where he was like basically saying like i liked you i was mad at you don't be fucking stupid out there. And she should have been like, yeah, we'll talk. Instead, she's like, fucking, your brother would not be proud of you. I don't know. So chapter 44, Bryce and Hunt are back at the apartment. And the first thing that Hunt has to say is, is Sabine lied to us about Danica being at, about Danica not being at the temple. Now we need a plan to catch her if she's actually the one summoning the demon which i think is interesting because they do now know that for a fact that sabine was lying 
right about her not being there. Sabine, like, off the cuff because she felt like it. I still feel like they got lucky with that information because from what I saw on the page, they showed up to this interrogation with no fucking questions. I know. Like, I, I yeah. But <laughs> they just she like, does. off and they left. And so then Hunt is at least logical enough to say she's the unofficial head of Moonwood and basically the prime of the wolves. If not entitled and in every other way. We have to be careful how we approach this. The fallout could be catastrophic. And Bryce just, she's she's so upset by the whole confrontation that she's not even able to really eat. And, you know, he, you know, great. Bryce is thinking they haven't heard from Therian. They haven't heard from Rune. She's just, she's really frustrated. Sure. And so... I give Hunt credit because now he has all the questions because now he's like, okay. So I get why Ethan's pissed off at you. Right. Why is Amelie so pissed off? And this is some really interesting information that comes up because Bryce like is I like, said, again, important info to have. <laughs> it would have been good to, to have this information beforehand. Yes. She just looks at him and she's like, did you ever see them? The messages from that night? Every newspaper had them on the front page after they leaked. And he's like, yeah, I did. And Bryce goes, Amelie had a thing for Connor since they were kids. I think she still does. And you know about me and Connor. And he goes, yeah, I'm sorry. And Bryce continues and she goes, when she saw the messages from that night, I think Amelie finally realized why he never returned her feelings. And Hunt's going, it's been two years? To which I say, we just discussed this in Akafas, which is fuck nothing to immortals. Right, I know. So they have a lot longer to be really pissed off about this. Also, like, I'm not saying Amelie's right by any means. Amelie's crazy, okay? But yes. from what we know of humans on the planet... Amelie is likely to feel this way about Bryce for the rest of her fucking life. And we're all like, not saying that that's great, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> cause that's going to be unresolved literally forever. It's not like she can never go back and unlike Connor, she can never go on, go back and not know that Connor was not interested in her. Like, I know. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just, this is so my, like I said, the every page turn, Kim, I'm just, shocked by the new information <laughs> so hunt's like people still bring this up those messages and she's like of course just look me up online athelar i had to shut down every account i had people hate me literally hate me some of the wolf packs even wrote a song and put it online they called it i just hooked up with someone in the bathroom don't tell connor they sing it whenever they see me yeah, I mean, that's fucking insane. That's, that's absolutely up. insane. And I hate that for her. Like, I am not saying these people are right. I'm saying I'm not surprised and neither should she be. <laughs> no, I know. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying that Bryce is a woman of the world. She should not be shocked. <laughs> I know. But I also think if we think back to her really human bit with the whole jubilee jelly yeah. jubilee right and she talks about how that was the first time she had ever been accepted i do think there's some 
trauma she's oh. dealing with that goes all the way back to her early childhood. And I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I don't say that it's right. I'm just saying I think that that yeah. that's part of why she's having the response she has to it. Right. Which is like I think what's always exhausting about like all of these kinds of books in general when you really start to like dive into characters like if you're just reading them for the plot points then like none of this matters to you but like it's fascinating because like it's exhausting because you always have to walk that line like of what is a trauma response and like we all accept it as a trauma response but then also like what is not other people's fucking responsibility for you and you dealing with your trauma you know what i mean yeah, I know. Like, it's not on Ethan to give a fuck about, you know what I mean, her trauma, given she completely ignored it. I agree. I'm not I'm not I saying agree. Ethan should. Right. So that's why it's like just so, like, uh, like, there's always, like, a fine line, and it's, like, such a mess, because it's, like, every... Like I said, it's just interesting because, like, every page turn, you're like, oh, but she does, like, she has feelings. She's, like, a little softy on the inside. And then you're like, okay, but a little softy. What the fuck was that? <laughs> well, I agree. She she does acknowledge that it doesn't matter. People are assholes. And. Right. Which I think we should all just put on a bumper sticker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would love to put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> I'll get right on it. <laughs> you do that. Then we get some really interesting information because we know that Bryce has been fighting depression and issues with depression and loneliness for a long time now. Right. And I have to admit, I don't know how I would have handled this if I'd been in her position either. I really don't. Right. Um, because what happens is, is because of that stupid song that had been written. Right. Two winters ago, someone sent her 1,000 printed out lyric sheets of the song, along with mock album artwork taken from the photos that she had snapped that night. She had gone up to the roof of her building to burn them, but instead, she's staring over the ledge. Forget burning them. She's contemplating jumping. Right. And Juniper somehow instinctively knew to call her and sat on the phone with her. And kept Bryce on the phone until she could get there. Right. And quite literally stopped Bryce from jumping. Right. Which is why Juniper gets all the gold stars. Yes, she does. They burned the copies that had been sent. Juniper stayed with her for three days to make sure she was okay. But she does wonder if Juniper has ever told Fury how close it had been for her. She doesn't know. She says she would never stop being grateful for Juniper, the love that had kept her from making such a terrible, stupid mistake. And she does acknowledge that in many ways, Hunt has had a much harder life and path than she has, but he does handle it differently. Right. And then they get talking about his nickname, how he got it. And he's, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I love what he says. Where he's like, you, you really think it's around nicknaming myself? Yeah, like, he certainly isn't nicknaming himself the shadow of death. He's like, you really think I sit around coming up with nicknames? And, and he finally, he acknowledges, he goes, the only, they only call me that because I'm ordered to do that sort of shit. And right. I do it well. They'd be better off calling me slave of death. Anyway, then we find out about who her adopted father is. We actually get some real information. 
Right. You know, that he had been a sharpshooter, that yes, he is the one who taught her how to shoot. And Hunt says, you know, you never fought, he had never fought with him, like, out on the battlefields. Right. You know, but he had heard about him and heard good things about him and the whole right. bit. knew of him, yeah. Yeah. And Bryce has to tell him that Randall basically made him physically fight her so she could go to CCU, which I find is interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, she she's she tells him about all of that. And, and she goes, yeah, it turns out I'd been paying more attention than I'd let him believe. And then Hunt is like, and he taught you how to shoot a sniper rifle? And she goes, rifles, handguns, knives, swords. Guns were his specialty, but he taught her all of them. Right. And then... Hunt asks her, you ever use any outside of practice? And she has a mental flash of, I love you, Bryce. Close your eyes, Danica. And she just says, when I had to. And apparently Jessica takes that exact moment to start sending her text messages to get her ass down to the gallery ASAP. Um, Because she has a client coming and Jessica's pissy. And I kind of don't blame Jessica. And yeah, everything about this setup, like in in Bryce's defense, everything about this, like her job and then having to like work on like figuring this out with Hunt, who like until this situation, she did not like personally know. And then like having to like drudge up all of this like previous trauma, like in fairness, this puts Bryce in like the shittest situation possible. I agree. Like to give Bryce some credit, like... Everybody is asking a fuck ton from her, which is really annoying. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I don't get, I don't get what Jessica, Jessica's damages. I really don't. Well, I don't get her damages, but at the same time, if you look at it from Jessica's point of view, like that's her fucking employee. Leave her alone and let her be an employee. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh huh. so like, I that's think- what I'm saying sucks. Like nothing about this is like well thought out for any like this is not behooving anybody (laughs) like I'm sorry but Hunt is not doing his best police work with like Bryce teaching her detectiving 101 (laughs) absolutely he's really doing her no no benefits here at all so like I just feel like this isn't working out for anybody (laughs) Jessica's pissed Hunt is not doing his best detective work Bryce is just having bad day after bad day. Like, Jesus Christ. Nobody tell Rune fucking anything. Like, yeah, good times. Like, I just, like, this is not accomplishing fuck all for anybody. Nope, I agree. So, Jessica, they get to the, as soon as they get to the gallery, Bryce is like, I, you, you need to be on the roof today. I don't know if Jessica's seen you, but she's going to be watching me all day. And he finally goes, look, I'll check in with you later. I've got Isaiah on the phone. And so, you know, he does send her a message. Isaiah needs me for an opinion on a different case. Heading over now. Justinian's watching you. I'll be back in a few hours. And they go back and forth. And then Jessica calls her and she's like, why aren't you ready for the client? And it literally jumps. Like there's, I don't know if it's supposed to be a invisible snowflake i can't tell Mm -hmm. because i'm looking at it 
I'm looking at it on my nook and it's oh yeah it is it's an invisible snowflake okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes far more sense than what I was seeing otherwise because I was like what the heck so yeah this... kind of got your font size yeah so it totally changed the where the page count fell or whatever yeah yeah so anyway she we get this invisible snowflake and hunt is now on the roof it, so after the invisible snowflake it's several hours later hunts on the roof and he just kind of thinks about it and and you know he's like he'd known everything had been leaked but he never thought about what it must have been like so sure. i mean let's face it how many of us ever think about the impact of anything being leaked for the person who is at the center of it all whether you like them or not it definitely has an impact on them one way or the other you know yes. he does realize that if sabine is really behind this you know, yes, Micah had taken him, had given him permission to take out the culprit, but as he acknowledges, Bryce might very well do it herself. And then he looks over at the bone quarter, and you know, he he's like, sometimes if he felt like the bone quarter watched them, and people claimed that their beloved dead could communicate through the oracle or cheap market market psychics, but he does remember he had been at the sailing for Danica specifically. And he knew Bryce hadn't been there because he had looked. The most important people in Crescent City had gone, but she hadn't been there. Either to avoid Sabine killing her on sight or for reasons of her own. And after what he'd seen today, his money was on the former. And they do acknowledge that Danica's boat went straight over to the to the uh, Good quarter without any problems and he does know also that the the audio from the apartment that they heard where danica was begging for mercy had also been leaked <clears throat> and so there's all this truly horrible like just so many horrible things at so many different levels going on and you know Hunt acknowledges he saw Ethan there pushing, you know, Connor's boat out. It just, he's, he's been going through because he realizes it's been a hell of a day for her. And, you know, then he's starting to wonder, looking out at the bone quarter, is Danica there? You know, she roaming? Does she, does she remember that Bryce is here? And I like, I like how he, he thinks about this because he's like, did she remember the friend who even so long after her death took no shit from anyone who insulted her memory? Did she know that Bryce would do anything possibly descend to the level of rage forever preserved in the video to destroy her killer? Even if that killer was Danica's own mother loyal unto death and beyond. And he's like, he truly, it makes him wonder what it would be like to have a friend like that in his life that loved and cared about him enough as a friend to always have his back no matter what. And that's where this chapter ends. It's a really weird place, but okay. We've had a very heavy first two chapters in this section. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's just going to keep going at that rate. So chapter 45 starts off and Bryce is talking with Juniper and they're talking about Juniper, whether Juniper will become the principal and the dance company and so on and so forth. And Hunt leaves her there. She's home alone. 
And apparently Hunt had gone out. He had been invited by Isaiah and Vic and Justinian and Naomi to go out with the, you know, as part of the Triari to a bar and have drinks and the whole bit. So he usually says no, but this time he decided to say yes. Dumb. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's all kinds of special, but whatever. I mean, in fairness, he after all this bullshit, he needs a drink. <laughs> he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. He certainly has earned a beverage for himself. Or three. Right. <clears throat> and Juniper then brings up that, you know, her instructor has mentioned she's going to start a dance class that's open to the general public, that Bryce could go. And Bryce is like, there's no way I'd get in. And Juniper's like, yeah, I know. That's why I asked her to save you a spot. And Bryce is like, look, I've got a lot going on right now. And Juniper just keeps going ahead. She's like, it's it's a two-hour class, twice a week, after work hours. And Bryce is like, you know, thanks, I'm good. And Juniper was like, no, Bryce, you were good. Bryce is really upset that, you know, she's like, look, I wasn't fucking good enough. And Juniper goes... It didn't matter to you before Danica died. Just go to the class. It's not an audition. It's literally just a class for people who love to dance, which you do. And Bryce is like, which I did. And they finally conclude the call. And Bryce is like, look, I'll think about it. But she's making no promises. And they they ended up you know, the call ends and they're doing their thing. And I do like the one thing that came up on their call when they're talking about the merman. Yes. <laughs> She's like filling Juniper in a little bit on like where they've gotten. And so she mentions the merman, Farian, and he, he's like, you know, uh, you know, like he's a, you know, he's a, a, or does she mention it to him? Or who does she mention it to? Does she mention it to Juniper on the phone? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, she mentions it, and she mentions, like, you know, oh, is he good-looking, blah, blah, blah. I met a murder the other day who was so hot, you could have fried an egg on his 10 billion abs. <laughs> I know. That was awesome. I made the note. It was funny, because my sticky note just had the note, and I was like, that had to be Juniper, she told, right? All of a sudden, I was like, maybe she said that to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was on the phone with Juniper. And I was just like, I just love that fried an egg on his 10 billion abs. <laughs> 10 billion abs. That That definitely... Leads a lot for the brain to comprehend. <laughs> and anyway, Bryce does invite Juniper to come over, and Juniper's like, I can't, I have to practice. And so yeah. it's Bryce is kind of like, fine, whatever. And they said goodbye, hang up the phone. She does call Fury, and of course, Fury's phone goes right to audio mail, aka voicemail. Sure. Bryce doesn't bother to leave a message and she just sets it down. And then she realizes she is literally quite home alone with Syrinx. And she goes to get food. <laughs> she has to throw a bunch of food out because it had gone bad. And she was like, ooh, yeah, no, bad, bad, bad. And so she goes and she gets food. She goes to sit into the, the living room and she turns on the TV to watch bad television Specifically while eating slimy carrots. And I was like, girl, same. I don't know why, but my carrots are always slimy too. So I feel like. <laughs> Pretty much. Look. I was like, girl, same. I don't know how to buy good carrots either. Ew. Um, and, you know, as she's eating, she's like, the silence of the apartment grew heavy. 
one friend. That is what her social circle had become. Fury had made it clear she had no interest in bothering with her anymore. So now, with her solitary friend being too busy with her career to hang out on a reliable schedule, especially in the upcoming summer months when the company performed throughout the week, Bryce supposed she was down to zero. And that's... That's sad. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it is sad. I don't think... I don't think Bryce intentionally lived her life in such a way that that's how she intended it to be, but it, that is how it is, you know? Well, and I, yeah, that is how it turned out. And like, I, I feel for her because like, I think we all to some degree, like go through this at some point where it's mm-hmm. like your friend circle, just like shrink, 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 shrink till you're left with what you're left with. So like, I feel bad for her, but at the same time, she only makes like, a half-hearted attempt, even with the friends she does have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, Juniper tried to be like, hey, take this dance class. Like, go do a thing you love. Go, you know, hang out with some other people who, like, also love the thing. Then we'd have something to hang out and talk about. And, like, she says no. Okay, well, the, you know, you only get to say no to things so many times before people stop asking. No, I agree. It's very strange. She turns on the news. I think this is interesting that she turns on the news and what does she see but Regulus, the right the bright hand of the Asteri. Right. He's giving some speech on new trade laws. And behind him the five other Asteri sat enthroned in their crystal chamber, cold faced and radiating wealth and power. As always, the seventh throne sat empty in honor of their long dead sister. Bryce keeps changing the channel and you know it's you know it's this time to another news station it shows footage of the lines the human built mech tech suits going toe to toe with the elite imperial legions on a battlefield another channel is showing starving humans lined up for bread in the eternal city their children wailing with hunger and Bryce is finally like I've got to find something that's not depressing to watch so she's like you know trying to find something pretty brainless and she even acknowledges she stopped reading. She stopped enjoying reading after Danica died. Like, she's pretty much, yeah. like, everything. She really, yeah, you know. My dog thinks it's sad, too. Oh, <laughs> Penny. I don't know if you can hear her in the background. She's like, <laughs> I hear her. My poor girl. And, you know, just Bryce is now thinking about everything that happened today at the den, and that's just depressing her, you know. I have to say, I don't think she's in very good headspace. <laughs> I'd say no. And she's finally like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll be back soon. She gets up. And you had one job, Bryce, and that was to not leave your fucking house. <laughs> yeah. You promised you would stay. And, you know, I love it because she does say, you know, she promised Hunt she would stay put, had sworn it on the gods. Too bad the angel didn't know she no longer prayed to any of them. And we get a, we get a invisible snowflake. And it switches to where Hunt is at the bar with the other Triari. Hold on. And her phone call, his phone rings and it's Naomi, who apparently had been put on guard duty with Bryce. And... 
she's he's like she left didn't she and Naomi is like yeah I'm like this poor guy didn't even get to finish his beer he immediately picks up his phone and is like she done fucked up already huh <laughs> like that's yeah. so annoying I feel for him I do I feel for him too this poor dude so he didn't know what he's and he's thinking to himself why did I go out I knew I shouldn't have gone out but I did and he's like all right where is she headed and Naomi's like I'm tracking her now it looks like she's headed towards Fyro. so he's thinking all right maybe she's headed to go find you know rune um he's like just send me your coordinates the line goes dead and he he finally he just pays his bill and he leaves and his friends are kind of like bummer man and it's just funny because hunt says you know he wasn't surprised that bryce had bailed the only thing that surprised him was that she had waited as long as she did so i find it interesting he knows her that well um in fairness fairness, he should have if he knew that he should have chugged his beer i agree but whatever uh naomi sends the coordinates and as soon as he gets there um it's it's a beautiful place like she'd gone to some garden over in Fyro, and i i love the description because it's like you know it's a fountain filled with moon lilies the bioluminescent flowers already open and glowing a pale blue so it's kind of like cool like i'd like to go there and see what that looks like but whatever and naomi's like she's over that way and she takes off and hunt goes after bryce and he's just like, are you going anywhere in particular? And she's like, no, I just needed to get out. And she's like, I'm waiting for you to start yelling. And he's like, uh, I'll tell you when I find out what was so important that you break your promise. And she goes, nothing. And he's watching her and he goes, are you all right? And she's like, yeah. And he admits that means no. And she goes, look, the quiet bothers me sometimes. And he goes, well, I invited you to the bar. And I give her credit for saying this. I didn't want to go to a bar with a bunch of triari. I'm a civilian. They wouldn't be able to relax. And he finally acknowledges maybe she had a point. And she's like, look, you can go back to drinking. I don't need you or Naomi, you know, to babysit me. But she she can certainly handle it. And... He's like, look, were you out to meet your friends? And she's like, just the one friend these days, Athelar, and she's too busy. And he's like, so you're out walking alone to do what? And she's like, walk through this garden and alone. And she goes, look, I knew you'd send a babysitter. And she's going, you know, they start arguing about, is this when he's going to start yelling at her? And he's like, is this what you want me to do? And just... As they, now they're flirting. It's like really bizarre. It goes from. Well, it's like flirt fighting. It's kind of like what recent Feyre used to do. True. Very true. It is a flirt fight. Um, and he's, he, it, it says, no one and nothing existed but this, but her. He never heard the night dark bushes behind him rustling. Never heard the ba- branches cracking. Not until the Cristalos crashed into him and sank its teeth into his shoulder. And that is the end of the chapter. I, I, okay. Like 
This reminds me, I think I've told you this story before, like when my mom and I had watched the Pelican Brief and we were like, if something doesn't fucking blow up soon, like we are out of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt like that about this book. I've said that before. And so then this happened and I was like, damn, okay, I'm invested. But then I also immediately had a thought, which was fucking Bryce, we told you to stay home and now you got our fave, like, eated. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, like, wow. like damn it, Bryce. <laughs> I'm not saying you could have known, but I am saying you could stop fucking walking alone at night so that people mm-hmm. have to follow you. <laughs> you know, have a care for the people around you. <sighs> These things don't happen when you sit on your couch and eat Pop-Tarts in front of the television. I'm just saying. That's why I do that. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, Kim, and- dog out. I'll be right back. Chapter 46. Literally picks up where we left off. Salas uh, <laughs> has slammed in the hunt and bad news bears. Yeah, big bad news bears. Hunt pushes Bryce out of the way. Which all? I don't believe him. Yeah, he's a nice guy. And Hunt and the Crystallis are literally fighting. Hunt's fighting for his life, and Crystallis is fighting to basically tear him apart. Any of the people that were nearby start screaming and go running away. So at least we know that, you know, the authorities are going to find out really fast what's going on. Um, Bryce is trying to deal with all this because, as she says, it was worse, so much worse than that the night that Danica was killed when she saw the Crystallos with uh, Micah. Hunt is stabbing the Crystallos and there's clear blood dripping, which I think is interesting that the Crystallos is all clear, including the blood. It's yeah, clear. I it's know. Weird. Weird. Very strange. And he's like trying to tell her to call for backup. And she's trying to, you know, do this. And anyway. I'm just saying, <laughs> I find it kind of annoying because I somebody like who knows how to fight she kind of does that thing unfortunately i feel like you see all the time like in tv shows and stuff where it's like do something like literally anything but fucking stand there be like i know so the fact that he's like actively fighting he's like call for backup why was she not already doing that like I don't know. All I can think of is she might have been in shock. Who knows? Um, but like I said, this is the girl that like ran barefooted after the last fucking thing. <laughs> like, I agree. I, I don't know. So Hunt and the Crystallos are still fighting and he's now got a knife out and he's been stabbing the Crystallos and it literally wipes out his magic. So he has no lightning, no nothing. And of course then you know, Bryce is thinking, you know, is this is this what it's done to Danica? Just shredding and the whole bit. Like, it's... I, I understand where she's going with this mentally, but I'm like, dude, really? Get your right. get your head out of your ass. Later. We fucking do this later, bitch. Like, yeah, I don't know. And so then, all of a sudden, the Crystallis realizes Bryce is there. And he starts to go after her. And she goes to shoot him with a gun, and she misses. And this time it it goes after her again. I mean, so she's she's quite literally fighting it. Hunt is fighting it still. 
And he finally stabs the creature in the neck and then basically severs the neck. Sure. And then just to be safe after he's dead, Bryce shoots him. <laughs> and then, you know, she's like, whatever. And by this I point, like this. she's just like, just in case. <laughs> yeah, just in case. And to be fully compliant and making sure this thing is dead, 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 not coming back, Hunt removes his blade and basically severs what was left of the head on him off. So this demon no longer has a head. At all. They hear sirens in the background. So the good news is, is that, yay, they're going to do that. (laughs) Yay, the part arrived. (laughs) Yeah, really. And there's like, I just think it's weird. It's clear blood. I can't imagine what that would look like. You know, I really. I assume. I don't know. I don't know. It's really weird. Like, I have some weird mental images going there. (laughs) Anyway, Bryce is staring and staring at this animal or at the demon, just kind of like, oh my God, what the hell? And then she recognizes that powerful forms landed among them. That black winged Malika instantly at Hunt's side. Holy shit, Hunt, what? Bryce barely heard the words because someone helped her to her feet. Blue light is flaring. There's a magic screen. She's looking around the park to see if Sabine's there. Hunt is groaning and realizes I'm really offended that Bryce did not go over to Hunt like at all. I know. She's just bleeding everywhere and she's just like Wow, so that's what the crystallis looks like without its head attached. Like, Bryce, her. I know. Have poor, you ever considered this is why you don't have more friends? <laughs> like, I know. Oh uh, Hunt basically goes down. He's about to pass out. And he's kind of gro- groaning and, and Naomi catches him before he slams into the ground. Um, and you know, she, she, Bryce is looking at his shoulder where the chrysalis had bit him and it's gushing blood. And so was his form and she notices blood and some sort of silvery slime. And she says she knows the burn of that slime. It's like living fire. Cause remember the night that Danica died and the chrysalis got her and sliced up her leg. Right. She had to deal with that too. So it hurts. Um, so the next thing they know, they've got a medwitch there. And, you know, she takes out a small worm from a from a jar and she puts it on there. And it was Naomi who explains that it's, you know, sucking out the venom. Um, they're, they're mithridate leeches. Which I think is interesting that they use leeches sure. as a form to remove bad oh, stuff. Yeah. But okay, cool. <laughs> that works um hunt is like really pale um and he's like look i think the venom nullified my power as soon as it bit me i couldn't summon my lightning and recognition jolts through her it explains so much why the crystallis had been able to pin micah for one thing if it had ambushed the archangel and gotten a good bite he would have been left with only physical strength micah had probably never realized what happened Right. He had probably written it off as shock, 
the swiftness of the attack. Perhaps the bite had nullified the preternatural strength of Danica and the pack of devils too. So at least her brain is starting to engage a little. Right. And then Naomi's looking at Bryce going, are you hurt? And Bryce is like, no, I'm good. Like, totally fine. And Naomi's like, look, you really should let the bed witch examine you. And Bryce is like, nope. <laughs> Big nope. And just as they get to that point, Micah arrives <laughs> in a flash of power. And Micah's like, what happened? And he's asking Hunt. And Hunt is like, ambush. And Bryce is like, look, it came out of the shadows. And then Micah's going, well, who did it attack? And Bryce is like, him. And then he asks who killed it. And Bryce is trying to say him, but Hunt is like, it was a joint effort. And Micah's like, we can't let the press get wind of this or the others coming to the summit. You know, meaning Sandriel can't hear about this. And Naomi's like, look, we'll keep it out of the papers and so on and so forth. And you know, Micah's like, absolutely no press. And Micah basically uses his magic to burn the body of the Crystallis demon. So it was nothing more than ash. Which, like, okay, like, it shouldn't be funny, but it, like, kind of is to me. Because all I could hear in my head was that TikTok sound that's like, tink, tink. that's weird (laughs) and I was like that's all I can think he like burns it and he's like no press and I'm like that's weird (laughs) like what a strange reaction I don't like that (laughs) yeah I agree so she's like she starts wondering she's like the pile of ashes still lay there mockingly soft considering the true terror the crystallis had wrought had this one been demon been the one to kill Danica or merely one of thousands waiting on the other side of the Northern Rift? So that's an interesting, you know, way for her to be thinking. Yeah, I thought that was odd, too, because I was like, probably not the same one, first of all. <laughs> like, I really think there's probably more than one running around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, it's okay. This is just going to get weird. Like, I flag this and then we get more information later that makes me go, what the fuck? Never mind. <laughs> no, I know. It, but, you know, Bryce Thurston, you know, is the horn here. Um, had she come near it, maybe whoever was looking for it, Sabine, simply sent the crystalluses another message. So, you know, she's not sure what's going on. And Hunt is looking at her to make sure she's okay. Naomi's like, why did it target you? And Hunt is laughing. He's like, look, everybody wants to take a bite out of me. Because he's trying to, like, I don't know, make this easier to handle, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Something the moment. Yeah, something. And so he looks at at at, uh, Bryce and he's like look I guess we had a nerve with Sabine she must have figured out we're on to her this was either a warning like the club bombing or a failed attempt to take care of a problem like she did with the acolyte and the guard my dude that is way more than a warning just saying <laughs> true and then she's struggling because she's like this doesn't make any sense we killed it so quickly 
And he, she goes, Danica was strong. Connor was strong. Either one of them could have taken on that demon and walked away. But the entire pack of devils was there that night. Even if it's venom nullified some of their powers, the entire pack could have. Even Mike, he didn't walk away from it. And she goes, but I did. Twice now. Which, I mean, obviously there's more to it. But to which my note says, that's called plot armor. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like, it's not adding up. And, you know, Hunt is like, look, I think I think it's time that we tell our suspicions about everything to Micah. So he does. He tells Micah about their suspicions about Sabine. And Micah looks at them and says, you need more evidence. And Micah then tells him, come to me when you have concrete proof. Or if you find that horn, if someone's gone to so much trouble over it, there's a damn good chance they found a way to repair it. I won't have the city endangered by a power-hungry bitch. Don't fuck this up for me, Athelar. And he disappears. What a pep talk. Yeah. Happiness, happiness, happiness. There's a way to get us all going, right? Motivation. Not. And finally, he's like, come on. And Bryce is kind of going, don't we need to stay and answer questions? And Hunt is like, look, uh, they know where to find us. <laughs> and we get an invisible snowflake. And Rune gets there right after Hunt and Bryce have left. And all that was left of the Crystallos was a burnt stain and a few sprayed drops of clear blood, like beaded rainwater on stones. And he goes to touch it, and he's told, I wouldn't do that. And it's coming from the Medwitch that he's went and met with before. Right. And he's like, yeah, but it hasn't affected the moss. And she goes, yes, but this was a demon bred for specific purposes. Its blood might be harmless to non-sentient life, but dangerous to everything else. And Rune's like, you recognize the demon? And she's like, I had very old tutors. As I told you, they required me to study ancient texts. And Rune's like, we could have used you years ago. And she's like, look, I hadn't completed my training then. And then she goes, I was thinking, Prince, about what you asked me. I looked into it, and there is some potential research. I have to leave the city for a few days to attend to a personal matter. But when I return and fully review it, I will send it to you. And she takes off because Flynn had distracted him and Flynn comes up to him and, you know, by the time he turns around to say thank you to her, she's gone. And Flynn's like, who was that? And he, Rune is truly like, I, I really don't know. <laughs> Yet again, she I disappeared. Know. I, know. I think that's so funny. I and that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> so that's the end of that chapter. Whew. 47 is wicked short. It is wicked short, but a shit ton happens in it. Yep. Chapter 47. Uh, Bryce and Rune are... Bryce and Rune. Bryce and Hunt are on the top of Bryce's apartment building. Dear what a God. weird fucking story this would be if this was Bryce and Rune. <laughs> I just been talking about Rune. It's that whole, you get the wrong name stuck in your head, man. I know, I know. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a little weird to have that kind of incest going on. I'm sorry, but ew. Incest! 
I'll pass. Anyway, they get all flirty flirty and it's pouring down rain and they're about to actually kiss. And then all of a sudden, Bryce is like, hunt? And they literally about ready, like, they were about ready to start seriously getting it on and making out. And then the door to the roof opens up. And Hunt already had the gun drawn and aimed as Sabine steps out and snarls back the fuck up. And that's the end of the chapter. I know. It's literally a page and a half. And it's like, what? Like, you're like, oh, my God, they're going to make out in the rain. Weird choice. I would go in, but okay. And then you're like, and fuck, Sabine's here. Yeah. And she's armed. And she's armed. Here we go. Chapter 48. So Hunt is like, oh, shit. She's armed. He's pointing a gun at her. She's pointing a gun at Bryce. Bryce. And this is like, seriously, this is fucked up shit. Gives some real Western vibes. Yeah, you know? And Bryce is like, where's your little demon friend? And so she realizes that Sabine has already fixed the the video feeds so that nobody knows that they're up there with her. Right, we know she can, so she probably did. Right. And Hunt is trying to put his body in the way of protecting Bryce so that she can't die if Sabine were to fire the gun because the armor he's wearing will at least deflect a bullet. Right, right. He's realizing she's, uh, you know, half human. That's a problem. Yeah. And Sabine's like, don't do it. And she's like, she looks at them and she goes, I told you to stay away from this and yet you just couldn't listen and you had to show up at the den asking questions you have no right to ask. And Bryce is like, ask like no questions. (laughs) Yeah, really. And Bryce is like, we were asking those questions because you killed Danica, you fucking psycho. And Sabine's like, you think I did what? Which is so awkward because Hunt and and Bryce are kind of like, wait, we really thought we had something there. And she looks legit confused. (laughs) Right. But Bryce keeps coming on. And she's like, you killed her because she was going to take your place as the future prime. You stole the horn to undermine her, and you've been using that demon to kill anyone who might have seen you and to humiliate Micah before the summit. And Sabine's like, what total BS. And Hunt growls at her, and he goes, you wiped the footage of the horn's theft from the temple. We have it confirmed. You lied to us about Danica being there that night and ranted about your daughter not keeping her mouth shut the night she died. All we need to prove you killed Danica is your ties to the Crystallos demon. And Sabine finally lowers the gun, so Hunt lowers his, and she's like, I didn't steal anything. I didn't kill my daughter. And then Sabine looks at them, and she's like, I was protecting her. Danica stole the horn. And that's the end of the chapter. Like, what the fuck? Again, like, barely a page, like, just over a page and a half. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, again. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So chapter 49. Sabine and Danica are going back and forth about this, about why would Danica take this? And Sabine's like, look, Danica was a brat who wanted to see what she could get away with. 
Um, as soon as she got the alert that the horn had been stolen, I looked into the video, swapped the footage on every database. I cleaned up her mess just like I did her for her entire life. And you two, in asking your questions, have threatened the shred of legacy that she stands to leave. And Hunt's like, you sent a demon after us tonight. And Sabine's like, what demon? I've been waiting here for you all night. I thought about your stupid fucking visit to my den and decided you needed a real reminder to stay the hell out of this case. She's like, I like the idea that Sabine is sitting here like, okay, so first of all, in the previous chapter, she literally calls them like as she's putting her gun down. She's like, you stupid fucks. (laughs) And all I can think is that I love the idea that Sabine is like, first of all, neither of you are cops. And it shows. Second of all, what are you talking about? Because like Sabine knows what she knows. And she's looking at these two people who have like accused her of murder, you know, and like stealing this thing and she's like you literally have all of the things wrong and then they keep saying all these other things that are also wrong and Sabine's just like what is happening like what earth are you from it is not this one like you can tell like I'm not saying Sabine is a good person but you can tell Sabine got the shit into the stick on this one and is like wow you just wasted 450 pages on me true very true. And of course, Sabine does tell them, look, Amelie is standing across the street waiting to make the call if you step out of line, Athelar. She says you two are putting on quite a show a moment ago. And Sabine does say, look, what I said the night she died, Danica couldn't keep her mouth shut about anything. I knew she'd stolen the horn and knew she someone probably killed her for it because she couldn't keep it quiet. Everything I did was to protect my daughter, my reckless, arrogant daughter. Everything you did encouraged the worst in her. And, you know, look, she's like, I didn't kill my daughter, but if you jeopardize her legacy, I will kill you. At which point she jumps off the roof, changes into her wolf, and lands safely on the sidewalk. And that's the end of that chapter. Which, like, just sidebar, like, there's nothing to like about Sabine. She's not likable. However, like, thinking of it from a parent point of view, from what Sabine knows, uh, she Mm kind of has every right to fucking hate Bryce. Yeah, she really does. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, and that's what I'm finding so hard about Bryce is this whole time you root for her and you're like, oh, why is everybody so mean to her? And then you're like, well, in fairness, from their point of view, it does look like her fault. It most of the time isn't, but it doesn't look good. No, I agree. And she's done nothing to defend herself. Right. So I'm like, well, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not saying Sabine is a good person. I'm just saying that, like, as a mom, you would be fucking pissed if you felt like your kid was making worse choices since meeting this person. I agree. I agree 100%. So I'm like, Jesus, what a what a kick in the head. So, chapter 50. Hunt doesn't realize until the next morning how upset Bryce is. And this goes on for several days. She's, like, not eating. She's not really like, talking, interacting. Like, she's she's barely functioning. You know, and then he's trying to figure this out and and the investigation is, it just keeps coming up with dead ends and he's starting to get a little frustrated. And he knows that everything he's thinking of is weighing down on Bryce's shoulders as well. Because he's just like, this is crazy. This has been going on for days now and Bryce is just, she's not 
Well, and it sucks too because he wonders if he's part of the problem because he keeps thinking about how they were like basically making out on the roof and he like doesn't know if it's him that's part of the right. problem and like that sucks. Right. Especially after the day she had had with dealing with Ethan and everything. Confronting yeah, so all of that. poor baby hunt. I know. Micah did call to follow up about what was going on with the Sabine thing and all Hunt could tell him was is that it was a dead end and Michael literally hung up as soon as he heard that. I mean, in fairness, Micah is as sick of Hunt and his shit as Jessica is <laughs> with Bryce. Like, as far as their bosses are concerned, they suck at their jobs. True. So Hunt's now at the waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, he's at the gallery with Bryce. They're in the library in the basement. And, you know, Lahabaha, Lili, don't ask me. Yep, I can't talk yep. tonight. Is grousing. She's like, you know, I thought hunting for ancient deadly weapons would be far more exciting. And Bryce is like, yeah, me too. I was going to say, like, didn't we all? <laughs> yeah, for real. So Rune finally shows up. And he gets buzzed in. And then Rune is like, so I'm checking in. Anything new? And they realize that they hadn't said anything to him about Sabine, but neither had Declan. And she's like, no, anything about the horn. And Rune's like, what's wrong? <laughs> don't you don't you hate it when your family knows you well? I know, right? Rune's like... <laughs> Got bad vibes all up in this shit. <laughs> Something's not right, man. I know it's not right. I know my sister well enough to know shit's not right. And Hunt is like, look, we're we've been waiting on a many waters contact to get back to us about a possible pattern with the demon attacks. Have you come across any information? Have you come across any information about the crystallis negating magic? Apparently he couldn't stop thinking about it because he literally felt his magic just stop. Working, yeah. Which is a little freaky, right? And he's and Rune's like, nope, nothing other than it was made from the first Starborn Prince and the essence of the Star Eater. Nothing in there about it negating magic. And then Rune's like, you've never come come across a demon that could do that. And Hunt's like, nope, never ever. They're talking, and Rune points to this book that he had left, and he's like. Look, if the Star Eater himself put his essence in the Crystallis, that's probably what gave the demon the ability to eat magic. I mean, fair assessment. Rune has now made more sense than anything else in this entire book. Mm-hmm. And Bryce is like, so the chosen one sense of yours hasn't detected anything of the horn? And Rune's like, no. But I did get a message this morning from the med witch I met the other day, the one who stitched up Hunt in the Night Garden. It's a shot in the dark, but she mentioned that there's a relatively new drug on the market that's just starting to come into use. It's synthetic healing magic. It can have some wicked side effects if not carefully controlled. She didn't have access to its exact formula or the trials, but she said it showed she said research showed it capable of healing at rates nearly double that of first light. I'm just saying, right. I'm obsessed with the idea that synthetic magic and pharmaceuticals are the same thing. <laughs> you think? It's called chemistry, people. 
chemistry. I know. I literally have a flag here that's like, the word you're looking for is science. (laughs) The branch? Chemistry. And Bryce is like, so you think something like that could repair the horn? And Rune's like, look, it's a possibility. You know, it fit with the stupid riddle about light that's not light, magic that's not magic, being able to repair the horn. That's kind of what a synthetic compound is. And then she's, wait, this is readily available. And he goes, yeah, it entered the market at some point in the past few years. No one has tested it on inanimate objects. Which, right, like, why would you? (laughs) And then he's like, you know, I've never heard of synthetic magic. And Hunt is saying, and Rune's like, neither have I. And then Bryce, she lets the cat out of the bag because she's like, so we have a potential way to repair the horn but not the horn itself. And we still don't know if Danica stole the horn on a lark or for some actual purpose. And Rune's like, wait, Danica did what? The fact remains, you know, Danica did steal it. And they they kind of argue those merits a little. And then Bryce is like, look, Danica might have kept things from me, but I knew her heart. She never would have sought a weapon as dangerous as the horn, something that could jeopardize the world like that. Her killer is still out there. Danica must have taken the horn to keep them from getting it. They killed her for it. But they must also not have found it if they're still using the Cristalos to search for it. That thing can't help you find it. And she's pointing at the star sword. And, you know, she's like, I still think luring the killer with the horn is probably the most surefire way to find them. And this is where it gets really interesting. And we're going to put a big fat pin in this because it says, Rune's like, look, the sword doesn't work like that. And besides being fussy about who it allows to wield it, it doesn't work without the knife. And Hunt's like, the knife? And Rune draws the sword out and he lays it down on the table and Bryce is leaning back and away from it as a bead of starlight sang down the fuller and sparkled at the tip. Fancy, Hunt said, earning a glare from Rune. And, you know, the sword is older than the city, older than the Vanier's first step in Midgard. And Rune's like, look, the sword is part of a pair. A long-bladed knife was forged from the Iridium mine from the same meteorite, which fell on our old world. The world the Fae had left to travel through the Northern Rift and into Midgard. But we lost the knife eons ago. Even the Fey archives have no record of how it might have been lost, but it seems to have been sometime during the First Wars. And then Bryce is like, it's another one of our prophecies, when knife and sword are reunited, so shall our people be. Pin it, people, because if you've read Akatar, you might know where we're going with this. Just saying. Just saying. Bryce and, Ru- and Bryce and Hunt start doing this weird googly-eyed grinning at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bryce and Hunt are googly-eyeing and Rune's giving some stink eye. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on, you two? <laughs> yeah. And of course, Lily's like, I want to see the, the Fae archives. All the I history. Know. Same Lily. <laughs> I'm with Lily. I think it'd be kind of cool to see all of it, you know? I feel like Lily just represents all of us. Pretty much. 
it comes down, we find out that they only let visitors in on an approved list and it's only on certain holidays and, well, good luck getting approved yeah. to be on the list to go in. So we get a little bit of Lily's history. And then Lily does point out that her great-grandmother fought with Hunt against the angels. And that's how the fire sprites lost their sure. freedom. And she's like, but she looks at Hunt and she's like, I don't blame you. And he's like, look, I let everyone into battle. I don't see how there's anyone else to blame for what happened to your people because of it. And Rune's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Shahar led you. I know, which I love that he's like, hey, calling it like I see it. Yeah. Everybody starts getting really melancholy and Lily's like, okay, so let's change the subject. And she's like, hey, Rune, have you ever been to the Fae Archives on a Valon? And Rune's like, nope. But he's like, <laughs> look how he says this, the Fae on that island are even less welcoming than the ones here. And I think this is very funny because BB then says, they do like to hoard their I mean, Lily says, they do like to hoard their wealth, don't they? Just like you, BB, only spending on yourself and never anything nice for me. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, good God, here we go. Oh, Lord. And, you know, it's just funny because she, it's like, no, I, I get you all this other stuff, though. So, you know, hush, you don't know what you're talking about. And phone starts ringing. Is and and it was, um, it's Rune's phone. Call, yeah, it's Flynn calling Rune, and he's like, you know, he Flynn's telling Rune, you know, you're needed at the barracks. There's some kind of a fight. Bros are being broy. They're being stupid. Go go bash some heads in and knock sense into their stupid asses. And Rune's like, all right, I'll be there in just a few. And, you know, Hunt's going, wait, you have to deal with that kind of crap? And Rune's like, yeah. And he's like, why aren't you doing, like, bigger Princey things, shit. more important yeah. things, printy <laughs> things, you know? Like, what? And Brace is so funny because she goes, ah, because his daddy is scared of him. And Rune's like, he outranks me power-wise and title-wise. And so I just find it interesting because they start doing a tit-for-a-tat argument between Bryce and, and yeah. Rune. And honestly, if Hunt were half smart listening to this, he'd start putting two and two together and realize they're not cousins, they're brother and sister. I, I don't know how nobody figures that shit out. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm telling you, Hunt is a sweet guy. I think his heart was in the right place, but he is a shit-ass detective. <laughs> yeah. So I think Bryce says something very interesting, because she does say, he was alive, meaning their their father, the last time a starborn prince appeared, you know. You ever ask what happened to him, why he died before he made the drop? And Rune's like, don't be stupid. It was an accident during his ordeal. And she's just, you know, she's she's not totally convinced that dad isn't yeah. the bad guy here. And finally Rune looks at them and he goes, look, if I hear anything new about the horn or the synthetic healing magic, I'll let you know. Just be careful. Unlike they ever tell him anything about Sabine, but okay. <laughs> ding, ding. 
I'm getting invisible snowflakes. Yeah, rude of that information to flow only in one direction, but all right. <laughs> yep. And then almost immediately after Rune leaves, the snowflake, we, after this invisible snowflake, the front door is buzzing again. And of course, Bryce is like, what the hell did he do? Like, what did he forget? Dum dum. And then all of a sudden she opens the door and she's squealing because, because an otter in a reflective vest is standing there. And, and it's like out of the hope that one day somehow she'd find a fuzzy, whiskery messenger standing on the doorstep. And she's carrying a message and it was short and sweet and it's from Therian and he goes, I think you'll find this of interest. Kisses, Therian. And this is like the highlight for her, man. This is like nothing's better. She finally got an otter message. Like she's like, I know, hey, right? Life is great. This is fab. I love it. I love that that's what makes her happy. And then, so they're pulling Therian's letter off of this pile of stuff he sent and Hunt's going through it and they're photographs and and I just think it's interesting. It's like all of a sudden Hunt, Bryce is like looking at this photo Hunt's holding going, is that, that a body? And Hunt goes, it's what's left of one after Therian pried it from a Sobex lair. And she's like, ew? Gross? And then she's like, you know, they're looking at it in the different marks and it's a dryad female. And she finally looks she finally looks over at Hunt and she goes, you know, the wounds on that dryad look like the ones you got from the Crystallos. The mayor's lab figured this body was probably five days old, judging by the level of decay. And then she, and then Hunt is like, the night we were attacked. And Bryce is looking at all the information that came from the lab and she's like, there was clear venom in the wounds. Therian says he could, he could feel it inside the corpse even before the mayor did tests on it. But when they tested it, it negated magic. He looked into records of all unidentified bodies the mayor found in the past couple of years. They found two with identical wounds in this clear venom right around the time that Danica and the pack of devils died. A dryad and a fox shifter both appeared missing. And then this month, they have found five with these marks and the venom, all reported missing, but a few weeks after the fact. And then she looks at Hunt and she goes, that's not what killed Danica. And Hunt's like, well, there there could have been more than one Crystallis that night. And she's like, no. Yeah, this is where all of a sudden you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> she's like, the Crystallis isn't what killed Danica. And Hunt's like, but you saw it. And she's like, I saw it in the hall, not in the apartment. Danica, the pack. And the other three recent victims were in piles. And she's like, these wounds aren't the same. The Castalos wanted to get at your heart, your organs, not turn you into a heap. None of, nobody, you know, none of the other ones, you know, the, the, the Acolyte, the Guard, Danica, the Pack of Devils, Tertian, they were all in piles. They were in a heap. And no venom in their system. And then Bryce is like, what if something else came through? And she goes, what if the Crystallis is summoned to look for the horn, but something worse was also there? 
If you had the power to summon the Crystallos, why not summon multiple types of demons? And, like, yeah, but also, like, Jesus Christ, we've been looking for the wrong fucking thing for almost 500 pages. I know. <laughs> and so Hunt is like, but I can't think of any other demon that would do this. Right. Apparently he has experience, so I, I trust him on that. And she's like, look, I have no idea, but if everything we know about Danica's death is wrong, then we need to figure out how she died. And we need someone who can weigh in. And he's like, do you have any ideas? And she's like, yeah, promise me you're not going to go crazy here. Because he's not going to like what they have to do. Oh, and that's I... the end of the chapter. I don't think I'm going to like it either. <laughs> I just can't believe that basically everything we knew up until this point is wrong. I've never read a book that, like, you get, like, two-thirds of the way through and it's, like, everything you thought you knew is wrong. Let's try again. Like. <laughs> I know. Okay. It, it, it's. There's a lot of. There's a lot of interesting things that happen. Yeah. At least it's picking up pace, which I super appreciate. <laughs> It does do that, and it just continues from here. Fair, fair. Okay, friends, well, I know this ran long, so we're just going to wrap it up for you. Uh, A, we apologize if there's, like, weird cuts and weird things. We're still having technical difficulties. It's the internet. Um, <laughs> but thanks for listening like anyway. Right now. It does not. And then B, you can follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on all of the things. Remember, all of our things all over the internet have two A's like Sarah J. Mass's name. So website, MassiveFansBookClub.com, Facebook at MassiveFansBookClub and Podcast, Twitter at MassivePodcast, Instagram at MassiveFansPodcast, Pinterest at MassiveFans, and TikTok at MassiveFanPod. Uh, pretty much wraps that up. And you'll always okay. find them in our show notes as well. Show notes. Exactly. So till next time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye. Bye.